before we start this podcast, I just wanted to make a quick disclaimer. We are not scholars. We have not been to Bible school. We cannot take credit for the following opinions, ideas, or views, or historical facts. They are a combination of our own thoughts and thoughts of others that are way smarter and have worked much harder. We reference lexicons, commentaries, articles, sermons, and other educational videos and content to bring to you what we are going to share with you today. I will include all references in the description of this podcast as well as the year the content was posted. If we reference someone else's opinion, we'll try to state their name and the year they spoke it because their opinion may not have been up to date from when we came across them. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and I hope this episode blesses you as much as it blessed us recording it. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Disciples Quest. My name is Justin. I'm Will. And I'm Emily. And I'm excited to bring you guys to Hebrews chapter 10, part 2. We're going to be going from verse 19 till the end, uh, 39. But before we get into the podcast for today, William, how was your week? It's been pretty good. Um, um, I had, like, it was pretty good this week. I had some extra time to hang out with Emily, which, you know, is, I mean, she makes basically all my scheduling when it comes, or she, I shouldn't say she makes it, she records all my scheduling in our calendars. And so, and I know that all other men out there can relate to this when they get married. So don't judge me. But I literally just like a cup coming towards a Saturday. I was like, so, and what do we got to do this Saturday? Because, um, like we always have a bunch of stuff on Saturday that we have to do. And I said, and she's like, oh, nothing. Yeah. We don't have anything planned. I'm like, wait, first time ever. We get to do what, whatever we want. She's like, yeah. I mean, I had to work, but there's that. But I mean, after work, there wasn't like, anyway, so. We went to Johnny G's. Yeah, so we went on a date and uh, that was pretty fun. Other than that, I like uh, took my sister's sisters to McDonald's and we had some coffee and we just talked and and we just had some fun together just talking and things like that. So, you know, it's been a while. So it's, uh, yeah. So, you know, I guess connecting with family is is what we've done this week we plan to go ice skating but um then it snowed and it yeah. caked over the ice this morning so and oh dang yeah <laughs> but anyway and what about you um did a lot of work <laughs> a bit of overtime and um i got to see one of my friends yesterday we went out for coffee so that was a lot of fun um she's also a christian and we went to the same university but at different times but we both took the same program so lots in common there and just uh talking about god and like she works also in another ministry so lots of good conversation about that um and well, and I volunteered with my church's youth group, and that was a lot of fun too. So, yeah, mostly work, but a couple other things in there. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, for sure. And like, I. What about you, Justin? Uh, well, I'll be honest. One of the worst weeks I've had in a long, long time. Uh, yeah. Where do I start? Well, Monday, I think Tuesday, I was at work, and uh, unfortunately, uh. In retail, you're going to get people that shoplift, and that happens, and we get it quite often. But today, we had a guy walk in, and that day, we had a guy walk in, and they said, hey, Justin, you want to go say hi to that guy? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go take, I'll say hi, because they thought he might have been suspicious. So I, I see him from a distance. He locks eyes with me, and he walks straight towards me from across the store, walks up to me, goes, what's up? And I go, uh, hi. I look at him. He looked to be about six foot five, probably pushing over 350 pounds. So one of the largest men I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Basically, 
basically Samson or Goliath. And I was just like, oh, hi. Um, do you need help finding anything today? And he just said, if I needed help, I would bleeping ask or something. And I was like, oh, all right. Um, just let me know if you need help. I'm going to go change my pants. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I give him space. But he's acting, you know, you, you watch body language, you know, and you have the gut feeling like this guy, you know, he's up to no good. He's He's got a bag with him and it's open. He could easily just slip something into it. So I'm kind of just watching him. And then he says, you know, he says like, you know, he starts cursing and and he tells me to back up. So I give him space and he get, he says, don't get any closer. You'll regret it. And I'm like, OK, man. So I walk to the front of the store and I'm just standing at the front because I want to just make sure if he's leaving that. The other staff are safe. So he walks up to me and I'm standing beside a staff member talking to them about work. He looks at them and says, do you want to go? Do you want to fight? And he puts up his hands and I'm like, oh my goodness. So he's st- my coworker starts snickering in like the very nervous way. So then I look at the guy and say, okay, you need to leave our store now. Not only have you been disrespectful to me, but now you're threatening people. You need to go. Like I'm refusing your business. Leave. And he says, make me. And then I say, well, I'm not going to make you, obviously, because I pick your battles, right? I was <laughs> like, sure. no, uh, I'm not going to make you. But if you don't leave, that's trespassing and I'll call the police. And he said, what's another six months in jail? I don't care. Oh, and I was wow. like, all right. And then at this point, he steps about uh, seven to eight inches from my face and threatens me again hmm. to where I'm now very nervous. Uh, and then he eventually backs up. And then I got my coworker to step over, who's... Very large, um, not as big as this guy, but big enough. And then he goes, oh, you brought the hero over, huh? And then he looks at us and makes gun motions, goes, which is another threat (laughs) that he was going to try to shoot us. Uh, So a lot of threats were made. Uh, Eventually, he walked out of the store uh, to where I called the non-emergency line, which is what I did because he didn't actually steal anything. I was unsure about the situation. Uh, They didn't answer the phone. So I was like, that's great. They said it's not business hours, even though it was only like 2 p.m. Uh, he came back to our store. Sorry, that was two weeks ago. He came back to our store this week. And this time he was grabbing stuff. That Last time he, he left with nothing. This time he was grabbing stuff. That, rinse and repeat. Same thing. Uttering threats. This time was worse uh, in the things that he was saying. Hmm. Uh, so I called the police. When, when he left the store, and this time it was only me. He was just talking to me with a, with like, you know asking to fight me and other details that I won't get into. And then when he left, I called the police and I told them the situation. They came to our store within 15 minutes and I had to have a written statement and I gave them everything. They found him. Um, there's video of it too, actually. There's people, uh, it went like viral on Instagram, this huge dude going to a cop car. Uh, anyways, an arrest was made on the guy. And uh, so... He's he's facing charges. I'm safe. Everyone in our store is safe. But the first time where I felt really scared mm-hmm. and with, I've had other situations in the past that I may have mentioned on here before. Uh, I felt I felt fine this time. I didn't. So that was a little traumatic, but I'm safe. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Saturday, we had to put down my dog of 17 years. I've had him. Yeah. Uh, anyone knows pets eventually become family members. And when you had a dog since you were seven years old, it feels like exactly that. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I have a running joke about hating the guy. 
and him hating me because he's he never listens to any of my commands um which is funny but uh you know obviously that was not real it was just a joke uh so yeah losing the dog everyone knows it's not easy it's tough on the family uh but it's also a part of life and it was better that way he was in a lot of pain and now he isn't so Mm -hmm. It had to be done. You know, it's it's not great because I wish I had a better mm-hmm. week to report. But, you know, it's life is full of hills and valleys. And mm-hmm. no matter what, I still know that God is on the throne and that God has already been giving me more peace with this whole week. Um, that Nervous that day about that situation that had happened. Like, I already was feeling more peaceful about it. And, yeah, yesterday was pretty rough. But this morning I woke up and I, I feel pretty good. So good. praise God for giving mm-hmm. me peace with everything. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. No problem. Yeah, I mean, he texted me in the middle of the week and told me a little bit about it, and uh, he wanted to save the rest of it for the podcast, but that's, uh, hmm, yeah, that's, yeah, something about, I don't know, man, like, uh, you've had your life threatened a few times now, and it's not even that you're working in a line of work where that should happen, which is no. the weird thing. It's, it has happened on his off time, too. I don't know any, like, that's just some bad luck there. I think so. But, uh yeah, anyway. Because, yeah. like, I mean, come on. Like, I think Emily works on a lot of work where she, you'd think she'd be have her life threatened more. But no, somehow you get, like, you work in retail. <laughs> and then, and even before that. Pepper spray. Pen, pepper spray. <laughs> man, worst luck. Uh, it's funny. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad you're okay, obviously. And um, been praying for you, so. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, you know, the family because the loss of the dog. Anyway, it's too bad. So we're going to be reading the second half of Hebrews today. Mm-hmm. Starting from... 19. Nine, verse 19. Let me find it. There we go. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a high priest or a great priest over the house of God... Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full insurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe of a punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled under the foot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? Mm. For we know him who has said vengeance is mine i will repay and again the lord will judge his people it is a terrifying thing the fall into the hands of the living god totally but remember the former days when after being enlightened you endure a great conflict of suffering partially by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partially by becoming sharers with those who were so treated for you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you will have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. 
for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteousness, one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. All right, so let's start on the first verse. We have, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So, Mm -hmm. confidence you see before, they probably didn't really have much confidence um, entering the holy place or holy of holies, which only the high priest was supposed to enter. Because, I mean... You could die. And also, like, it's kind of in the old, it's pretty explicitly said in the old covenant, the only the high priest is supposed to go there. So that was like the dividing thing. But now that's obsolete, we can confidently enter. That's all I really have, like, for verse 19. Right. Like, because if they went into the Holy of Holies, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the consequences of the possibility of um, dying from being there. Yeah, that would... Yeah, that would make they me literally scared. put a rope around you and put bells on hmm. um, your clothing just to just to see if you would. That was the. Uh, it wasn't a precaution to keep you from dying. It was if you die, at least we can drag you out in a way that we're hmm. safe. But we now, because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter the holies, um, mm-hmm. like it says, with boldness. Like we can be confident in our faith mm-hmm. um, because God, Jesus, came as that fulfillment of the covenant. So yeah. we, don't, we don't have to be scared. And by a new and living way, which he inaugurated through us, the veil that is his flesh. And if you guys remember, there was a veil that separated us from the presence of God in the temple. And so the old covenant did like a number of things. One of the things was it gave us a kind of symbolic like meaning of, you know, what was going on through the laws. And there was the presence of God. And then there was the veil and he couldn't be around sin. And so the high priest would go through the veil to the presence of God. The veil was separating us from the presence of God, and then he would sanctify himself first, or the sanctification, the right word, I think it is. He would uh, make himself clean ceremonially first, and then he would cleanse uh, the rest of Israel. And and so the veil kind of represents our sin, I guess, in a way, like our sin divides us from God, and that veil is dividing us from God. I mean, the veil was torn. He inaugurated us through the veil, that is his flesh. When his flesh was torn... On the cross, the veil was torn, and yeah. now we can be together with him because he sank, he he cleansed us all ceremoniously. He cleansed us from all our sins, just in the way that the priest had to cleanse himself, or yeah. I guess he had to offer a sacrifice to cleanse himself uh, with the blood of the lamb. And see, when I was younger, I, I didn't understand the significance of the veil being torn. I was mm-hmm. like, I always remember hearing when, you know, Jesus said, it is finished, and he hung his head. Uh, and then the temple torn too, and the veil was torn. Yeah. I was like, okay, like I didn't really understand what mm-hmm. that meant. And now we're all now just as like, clean oh. as the high priest after his ritual, yeah. and so now we can all enter into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God welcomes us to walk in there. And uh, any other thoughts? No. Nope. And verse twenty-one. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, um, I mean, I got really nothing to say. Like I did. Wow. 
it's just one it's sentence. Comma. Let's keep. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, not even it's, a full. Yeah. Sentence. Okay. Let's continue. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I love it. Mm. <laughs> Jesus is the pure living water. Yeah. Um, that washes our bodies. Um, he cleanses us, and we can be full of assurance because of his truth his love his faithfulness like all because of that we are able to enter in completely clean exactly yeah and and if you guys don't know what we mean we're talking about like the great priest and all that stuff uh listen to our previous episodes we've dedicated like half an episode to (laughs) mckizzledek just listen listen to the other ones (laughs) or we i'll look it up for yourself we're talking about mckizzledek um so (laughs) Anyway, yeah, it's important that the thing that caught my eye was sincerely, like, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. And like, it's important to come to God sincerely. Like how many people come to God when they aren't sincere or how many times have we done that? Now, that being said, it's important to come to God even when we don't like feel, feel it's like, I mean, if we're, uh, what I mean is like, if we don't feel like connecting with God, we should connect with God anyway. If we don't Mm -hmm. feel like sincerely, like asking for forgiveness, we should still ask for forgiveness. But we do it in a manner where we're being sincere still. Like I'm talking about people that might come to God out of an obligation of being a Christian, but they don't really mean it. Or, you know, maybe they're they're praying to God because um, they that way they can tell people that they did or tell themselves what they did. But they they still kind of want to revel in, you know, what's going wrong in their life. Right. So like it's important to be sincere when we come to him. So he's saying let's sincerely come to him. Of a sincere heart and full assurance of our faith, because that's the only way it's going to work. And not only that part of it, but I like the first part, even before what you said, let us draw near. I think of um, my week that I've had, hmm. and I didn't stay away from God and, you know, kind of just see him as this guy up in the sky that I can maybe, you know, go to for guidance and, and laws and, and how to conduct myself in my life. No. What Christ did, he offered that relationship with God. So what I did when I had the hard times is I I drew near to him. Mm -hmm. In other words, I I looked for God for guidance, but I also looked for him. I I looked to him for comfort, and I drew near to him to look for comfort in my soul. Um, So I think that's an important part, too. Let us draw near to him. He's, He's not just some guy in a book that we can go to for just knowledge and, and history and discernment of law. It's like, no, he, he also wants our hearts. Yeah. Uh, kind of like what pastor was saying in today's sermon, like we are a broken people and, and I, that's what Christ sees us as. Exactly. In need of a savior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to think that you could just kind of just learn from him and just be a knowledged Christian, but you can't, you can't just follow him without giving him your heart without having that relationship with him it doesn't work you need to (laughs) yeah it's necessary absolutely so and um and uh let's see evil conscience with their bodies wash up here water i think they're just talking about um uh when you get baptized yeah so uh, that's just they're using symbolism there Mm -hmm. yeah wash up pure water i mean so what 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 does that mean then right like what is it what is the significance? Well, maybe I'll talk about this in greater detail on another day, but the significance of baptism to a Christian, for those listening that may not understand, from my understanding, the baptism is showing a public mm-hmm. affirmation of your faith. So people will know, will know where you line up and, and that you are willing 
to daily follow Christ yeah. and you want that to be known to everybody. So that's what that was yeah. when people are getting baptized. Um, everyone in the, in the new Testament that came to Christ got baptized. They, they it was a dedic- uh, declaration of their faith. It's to symbolize, or at least I think it's to symbolize like, um, cleansing, I guess, like, you know, you're washing, you're going under, you're coming up. I don't actually know, to be honest. I actually, I used to think it was, um, I used to think it was to symbolize like the death and rebirth of Christ, right? You go under and you get reborn again, but they were baptizing before Jesus died. And when I say used to think that, I mean, I just realized that wasn't true up like two seconds ago. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes, we said that off of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was just like we were, I mean, there's obviously a cut, but I was just like, wait a second, that's not right because they're bad. I was told that when I was really small, but anyway. Yeah, you got baptized when you were little. That's right. Justin, did you figure it out? No, I'm just reading lyrics of a song that has to do with water. I was like, man, there's a song that I know that is really significant when it comes to that. And I remember what it was called. It's called I Thirst. It was actually written by um, Mark Lowry's mother, Beverly Lowry. If you know who he is, he's a guy who wrote Mary Did You Know. Hmm. Um, so his mother wrote a song and it says, it's talking about a story speaking to Jesus says, one day I came to him. I was so thirsty. I asked for water. My throat was so dry. He gave me water that I had never dreamed of. But for this water, my Lord had to die. Hmm. He said, I thirst, yet he made the river. He said, I thirst, yet he made the sea. Hmm. I thirst, said the king of the ages. In his great thirst, he brought water to me. Now there's a river that flows as clear as crystal. It comes from God's throne above. And like a river, it wells up inside me, bringing mercy and life-giving love. I just think it's a really, really interesting way that we we see water... Very poetic, and we see how uh, it's used throughout the New Testament and right. the Old Testament, um, the idea of of him giving us water. And it's cool, right, the tie that they made with Jesus saying, I thirst, when he was on the cross, yet he made the river. He was the one who made water, and he's mm-hmm. asking for water. Mm-hmm. Um, yet that water is what, speaking of here, um, go back to that verse. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, which is what we do when we uh, when we get baptized. And it's God, Christ, his sacrifice is the one that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Um, so in that sense, it's like water. Yeah. So I, I really like that uh, the analogy here that the writer of Hebrews is using. Yeah. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hmm. So I guess we'll start um, 23. Yeah, let's hold fast to confession. Yeah, I, the Bible is full of stories and examples of people like holding steadfast to their faith without wavering. In fact, actually, we just watched this movie called The Hiding Place. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. It's, I think it was a book first. Yes. It, I actually read the book a long time ago called The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. A lot of you probably have already heard about her, but there's also a movie from the 70s that is an interp- interpretation of her story. And it's very good. Uh, it takes place during um, Nazi reign. Uh, she and her family hid Jewish people in their house and then they got arrested. Oh, yes. What happened that story. Afterwards. Right, yeah. right. So good. And man, they hold steadfast to their faith. They, um, the Nazis came in. And they couldn't find the Jews because they had them in a really good spot, but they beat them. And then they said, doesn't your Bible say to obey the government? And yeah, um, yeah. 
And then he says, um, there comes a time when one must choose between God and man. And that was like the father of the house. Uh-huh. And then he, they bring him to the prison. The, they bring, oh no, they bring him to like the prison truck outside to bring the prison. And then before they went and I guess they had a bit of like, if they felt, I guess, bad for the old man. Cause he, he was, he was very outly. And, they, they, and then the guards turned to him and they were just like, well, if you promise to behave yourself, then you can die at home in your bed. In other words, they let him go. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, if you leave me here, then I will open my door to any man who knocks. And then he's like, okay, then get in. And he brought him and they de- he died later, of wow. course. But yeah, so just <laughs> very strong faith. And then oh, it showed how uh, the the daughters, like all the guys died, all the men in the family died, the 10 booms. They weren't even, like they weren't Jewish. They were just hiding them, right? And then like, there's only one uh, woman that escaped, but... It showed, and then she escaped basically to to visit like seventy countries and uh, preach the gospel and tell the story of forgiveness. And it showed how when people were getting whipped and beaten, she was praying out loud for God to forgive the people that were beating him. That's what she would do. She was constantly praying for to help people to forgive and help, um, and asking God to forgive the people that were uh, hurting and persecuting them. And, and where do you, where do you think she got that from? Like, what did Jesus say on the cross before he died? Forgive them, for they do not know what they've done. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was very powerful. And they ended up, and then there was someone, which is, here's the interesting part, is that there was someone in the in the barracks that was saying to her, was really against Christianity, and was saying that, you know, how can you believe in a God that did all these things to us? And she asked a bunch of really good questions mm-hmm. that I guess you'd have to know a little bit of apologetics to answer. And she just said, I don't have an answer to that, but all I know is that if you were to understand God and know him in the way that I do and how much he loves you, then you wouldn't think that. And then, you know, she kind of just like shrugged it off. But then one day due to a clerical error, she was actually released. And, um, Corey was, yeah, Corey Ten Boom was released and released from, she was discharged from, that's how she escaped. was that she just let her go. It was a clerical error. Gotcha. But she got let go. And then as she was leaving, uh, the lady, like, uh, the lady that was against it all this time, I grabbed her and said, I want what you have. I want to accept God. How do I do that? Mm. And then she told him. And uh, a lot of the words they used in the movie was actually what was said. And um, yeah, anyway, sorry. I'm getting way off on a way on a tangent. Yeah, true just, story. True, it's just like, check it out. It's a very powerful message. And um, yeah, they held steadfast to their faith. And that's not, I mean, hey, that's not the only story, right? I mean, look, just look in the Bible, how Paul was persecuted and all these, pe- and all these people that held steadfast to their, their faith no matter mm-hmm. what. And there's so many memoirs out there from different Christians about their experiences and what they ex- what they had happen in their lives and how they stayed faithful to God because he mm-hmm. was faithful to them and all that. And actually, that's that's what is a part of chapter 11, which we'll get into uh, next week, which is talking about all these different people that died in their faith and how, how throughout all these persecutions and tribulations, they mm-hmm. kept their faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, would you do the same? Right. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what it really shows. If you, if you truly believe it, yeah. not only do you believe it in your head, but do you believe it in your heart? So yeah, that's really good. Let us consider how to spur one another to love and to good work. Yes. Yes. Um, so, I mean, if you look at um, the word, and let us now consider how to stimulate one another to loving good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and 
all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yeah, so forsake means to um, to leave behind. So I mean, he's saying basically don't, or I mean, that's one possible definition. When I scroll over at my, my software, it, it, it gives me like the definition in Greek. And so it shows me the word and then it says all the possible definitions of, you know, how it's used in sentences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the way they're using it here is like, yeah, just like straight up, like don't, don't stop coming together. Don't stop congregating um, for, for community in Christ, right? It's really important. He's like, as this is how it is some, so I guess some people were doing that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They were just, I mean, I, the the author is making this, it seems like, because he's he seems to be concerned about people falling away. So I assume that's what he's talking about right here. Yeah. And, and community is so important. It is. Yeah. Like, not only are we kind of getting something from being with each other, right? Like, we are there to, you know, help each other up and encourage one another in our in our faith. But we're also all gathering to to be there for Christ and to receive God, God's grace and, and hear from his word. So there are so many benefits to being together and gathering as believers. Um, it's not just for being there as a community, which is obviously the big part of it, but it's also that we're all gathering to receive God and to, to hear his word. So it's, it's very important to, to be yeah. with each other. Sure. And to have your beliefs challenged as well. Like we've talked about it before. If you never have a Christian community at all, well, your beliefs are never challenged. And who knows what you believe is that's right or wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. Good Even if have, you think it's from God. It's good to have your views challenged. And it's good to be held accountable. And mm-hmm. you can only really get that from community. Yes. And finding community that believes true biblical mm-hmm. doctrine, unlike some churches that... <laughs> Unlike some churches who uh, tend to take the Bible out of context and decide to make it whatever the heck they want it to sound like. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, even like, uh, it's good to have your views challenge one. So, you know, you, you don't go astray or if you are astray, that leads you back to the truth, mm-hmm. right? Like, and it's good to uh, have your views challenged. So you become stronger in your faith. Like you need, um, if you're, you might have been told every right thing, or like uh, maybe you grew up in a very strong, biblically sound family and they told you everything right to believe in and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't know why you believe in any of it, then mm-hmm. you're you're theologically weak. And if you someone comes along and challenges you and you don't know what to say, then that's not going to help them, even if your faith doesn't waver. Well, it's also it's really important to have community of believers so that you can support each other, as it says, to spur each other on towards good works. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we're in a community together, we can then help each other, support each other to do what God is calling us to. And we can compare things and be like, um, I think God's telling me this and just kind of get all people's opinions and Mm -hmm. um, have that faith community so that you can work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, do you want to read 26? I can. I guess. Okay. Go for it. 26 says, For if we willingly continue to sin after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. 27, but a fearful expectation of judgment and fierce, fiery, fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Wow. That's intense, guys. It is. And so this is, I mean, pretty important in today's culture, I feel like, where we have this, like, this question or this idea that I, I keep getting from people, which is that, well, I mean, yeah, they sin, but 
don't we all sin? Why can't you be a Christian and continue to sin? And they use that and they apply it to people that are willingly, willingly and intentionally living a life of sin, mm-hmm. that logic. And it's like, this answers the question. You can't. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the whole point is that you have a change of heart and you repent. And it's such a bad choice to, after you know the truth, keep on knowing that, like, to know the truth and then go against the truth. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. that's just the most wrong decision well, you could make. And it straight up says, it means you no longer have a sacrifice for your sins. So that means what Jesus did on the cross doesn't apply to you. So to me, this what, what this means, because, well, willfully, sinning willfully, well, don't we all so sin willfully? What I think this is talking about is someone who sees, because it says, who's received the knowledge of truth, but no longer they no longer remain. So I think that's saying that these are people that see the truth of Christ and turn away from him. So uh, it's written by a philosopher named, a last name Clark. Uh, listen to his statement on this verse here. It says, It has nothing to do with backsliders in our common use of that term. A man may be overtaken in a fault, or he may deliberately go into sin, and yet neither renounce the gospel nor deny that the Lord bought him. His case is dreary and dangerous, but is not hopeless. So I think this is talking about the people that, like at the time, right? The people that that uh, the Hebrew author was writing to, he's writing to the people that were Jews and then they turned to Christianity. So I believe he'd be talking to the people that saw the truth of Christ, but tried to return to Judaism. Um, so in that sense, they're turning on Jesus and they're, they're seeing the sacrifice that Christ made. They understand it. They had it explained, and yet they willfully turn away from him. Yeah, and that's where it says my my translation here says, "But a terrifying expectation of judgment mm-hmm. and the fury of fire, which will wow. consume the adversaries." And having that fearful expectation of judgment mm-hmm. is like an awful, awful way to live because you're constantly knowing that God's going to come after you and throw you into that fiery pit one day, but uh, you just keep on living and in that fear of God. And I mean, just, yeah. if you deny Christ, we uh, if you're a Christian, if you were a Christian you didn't, and then you choose to go away from him, well, you know what the consequence of that is. You, you're fully aware that God is a loving God, but he's a, but he's a, um, he's a just God. Mm-hmm. And God will judge and he will deny you uh, entry into paradise. So if you understand Jesus' sacrifice and you want to spit yeah. in his face and turn away from that, I mean, you're kind of walking into your own hell. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. And this is where I think a lot of people would uh, bring up the point. It's like, well, then your God isn't so great if he's not willing to forgive. Then I, I mean, if he could have it any other way, he would. I mean, that's by definition of what Christians believe of God, which is that he's perfectly good and he's 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 all powerful. If he could have it, if he could make it any other way, then uh, that's better than he would do that. So what this tells me is that he can't. It has to be this way. And um, maybe he's not actually, you know, there may not be a physical like path that forks in the road that go one goes to hell and one goes to heaven. And he stands there and he's like, ah, you didn't accept me. You get over there and then like uh, physically cast us into hell. But if we don't accept the gift of salvation that he's offering us, if we don't turn from our ways, then it's very clear that the laws of this universe, I mean, both like observably and biblically speaking, Everything requires a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so he's willing to give you a gift of the sacrifice of himself to 
and satisfy the laws of this universe when it comes to that. But if you don't accept it, then you can't be with him. And then where do you go? Well, I guess, I guess you go to hell. And that could be, that could just mean it's not with God for all we know. And that would be internal torment because we're made to be with him. And so it's not, it's not like he's hatefully sending us there. And that's what he wants us to go because how dare we deny him? It's no, he loves us and he wants us to come to him. But if we don't, but then to tie it back to this one, it specifically says if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth. Mm -hmm. So these are talking about the people that understand Christ's sacrifice. They understand that faith in him is what saves them. Yeah. They look at that and say, nope, I I choose, even though I understand the knowledge of the truth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do not want that anymore. Exactly. Well, if that's the case, God has to, if God, if those people looked at him and said, you know, I, underst- I fully understand the grace that, that Christ gave us and, and I understand his love and his, his sacrifice, I get that all. Yeah. And I understand on a deep level, but I do not want that. Mm-hmm. How could God let them into heaven? Like to me, it, it only makes sense that that God would would um, would send judgment, and that they should expect judgment for that. Right. Yeah. And it's not that He doesn't want to; it's that He can't. I, I don't think God can't be. He can't, can't let us into heaven because yeah. we're if we're sinful. If he, God is pure and perfect, how could He be with something like that? Yeah. If we haven't been. Uh, washed and cleansed of that if that sacrifice hasn't been made and for that person if they haven't accepted that gift then we can't enter into his presence Mm -hmm. and so it's just not possible and I think that perfectly ties to uh, 28 and 29 which says anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses Mm -hmm. how much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled under underfoot the son of God and as regarded as unclean, the blood of the covenant, by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. Yeah, and this is talking about the law, the old law uh, in Deuteronomy. But if there is found in the midst of any of your towns, which the Lord your God is giving you a man or a woman who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord, but your God by transgressing his covenant and has gone and served other gods and worshiped them or the sun of the, or the moon or any heavenly host. This was common at that time which I have not commanded, and it is told you, and you have heard of it, then you shall inquire, behold, if it is true, and the thing certain that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, then you shall bring out the man and the woman who has done this evil deed to your gates, that is, the man or the woman, and you shall stone them to death. On the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses, he who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness." And so he's like, if just, so if anyone has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy in the testament of two or three witnesses, that's what he's talking about. If that law is true, then how much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? Wow. So that's what he's saying you're doing when you receive the knowledge of the truth and then you say, no, I think I'd just rather live in sin. And, that and makes so much sense to me. And the part that I that I find interesting is saying that 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 sacrifice that Christ gave that blood was unclean. That's big because it's saying that like you know that the sacrifice that Christ gave that blood was at the same level as like an unclean animal's blood. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's what they're saying. Yeah. 
It's not because, you know, like when they would give that perfect animal, its blood was like it was considered an unblemished animal. Well, he, they're basically saying that Christ's sacrifice was he's just a blemished animal. Yeah. There's nothing more to it. And this is after and this is the important part. It's not of ignorance. It's after understanding the truth of, of the knowledge of, of God and then looking at it afterwards and saying, no, his blood was stained. His sacrifice was not warranted. That is why it's using such bold bold wording like saying um, he has insulted the spirit of grace. Mm-hmm. It's so cringy to think about. It is. It just makes cringy. me like, just like a total body, like, ugh, it's Wait, horrible. Why is it cringy? Because it's what? so like, who would do that? It's like, ugh, just, it's gross, man. Love. Exactly. Oh, okay. It's like this weird thing that's like, what? You're denying Christ, but it's just making everything... Uh, I don't know. It's just well, like com- after completely understanding the truth of Christ and then just abandoning it. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, it's so sad. It's it like is. a horrible, horrible decision. People on the podcast listening, do not do it. Don't do it. <laughs> For we know him who said, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay." And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, from Deuteronomy. William, can you uh, pull that up? Pull that pull up stuff De- up there, Jamie. Pull up Deuteronomy. Vengeance is mine, and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. Now, before um, I mean, okay, well, to be honest, I don't think there's anyone that's. I was going to say before you guys get up in arms about the word vengeance. There's no one in our audience. I think that would you know be thinking of it in that way. But um, maybe they're wondering, right? They want to affirm their faith. Um, anyway, so the vengeance, the word vengeance is actually what it means here. Like if I scroll over it with my, if I scroll over the word vengeance, uh, what it actually means in the Greek or Hebrew, I actually don't know. Like I see the hydroglyphics like I'm on my screen to the, to the left. <laughs> yeah. Reading, uh, ancient, and, uh... and I don't know if it's Hebrew or Greek, but it, it's translating it. Um, I could tell you by looking at it. Okay, what is this? Like I always switch them, and I forget which one I'm I'm on. But that's Greek. Okay, so it's Greek. Um, it means uh, it can be used for vengeance or vindication, but it's also used in the Greek as avenging the wrong or justice, uh, retribution, things like that. And so he's just he's not saying I want revenge. You know, he's not really a vengeful God. Yeah, he preaches grace and mercy. Yeah. yeah. Second chance. Now, he does also preach uh, righteous anger, which is what I assume, like, this is yeah. what, what he's talking about. But he's basically saying, yeah, you know, justice will be mine, not vengeance, right. uh, for the English language. Um, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people, and he will judge them accordingly. And it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands yeah, of the living God. totally. Think about having to to be one day standing in front of God and having to face the fact that you rejected him and mm-hmm. that you turned away from him. Yeah, that's fearful. But yeah, th- think of the- by no means am I saying that this is this should now be like, you know, believe in God out of fear. No, believe in God because he's true and because his son was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Mm-hmm. But understand that one day you will have to face God and that if you have understood the truth, like it says, and have rejected that and have abandoned him, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, 
that's where it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And mm-hmm. no kidding. If you imagine it, it to be intimidating standing before a judge, imagine how intimidating it is to stand before the God of the whole universe. The <laughs> and ultimate judge. And like, uh, you did know the truth. Like, you totally understood. And you're like, nah. I mean, at that moment, guys, oops doesn't cut it. And, and think about this. For, for people that still think, you know, how like that's not a loving God. Think about how much grace God has given you throughout your entire life. How many chances he gives over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. He you forgives, have your whole life to repent. You have your whole life. He's forgiven you. Like when, when you ask for forgiveness, Christ has already forgiven you. Mm-hmm. Like he's given us that opportunity to be separated from hell. Exactly. He's given us that opportunity. It's a free gift. We just had to accept it. And you had your entire life to sort that out. Yeah. And yet you still refuse God at the end. I mean, you mm-hmm. walked into that yourself. That's not God's doing. That's your doing. Yeah. And yeah. there's like no wrath that is stronger than the wrath of God. It's just very powerful. And if that goes against you, that's you're just completely away from him in yeah. every way possible. So don't betray him. Um, mm-hmm. once you've been saved because that's like the outright most rebellious thing anybody could ever do. Absolutely. And the only other thing I would say on this for if this is like a hard pill where people will just swallow still. Like I'm I'm trying I think I'm trying to play the, the position of the apologetic here when I read this because I know a lot of people have trouble with like God's vengeance or or not his vengeance, but God's wrath. Mm-hmm. And uh the only other thing I would say is that I another thing I've noticed a lot in the Bible is that or specifically the Old Testament, I've noticed this a lot, is that he seems to be taking on, like he does often take on the place of uh, nature in some way. Like uh, when people refer to him, there are some passages in the Bible that I've noticed. So I'm like, this is like, he, they're literally talking about the nature of our universe. They're not talking, like it doesn't make any sense to to assign agency to, uh, as a sentient, like uh, it's almost as if, but I mean, if God, oh man, I'm butchering this. If God is in everything and he's, he holds the whole universe in his hands. Mm-hmm. It would almost make sense to refer to him in, in nature in some ways, right? Yeah. Like if this happens, then God did that. Mm-hmm. Um, or he allowed it at the very least. And so he's just saying, look, the universe has rules and there are inherent laws written into it. And um, this happens if you do this. X happens if you do Y. And we can measure and we can observe it. And we call that God sometimes because I guess he... Like we said, the universe is in his hands in that way. So he is a manifestation of righteousness and a manifestation of, I guess, in some ways, the laws of the universe. You know, it's really kind of an abstract thought. I haven't really completed it yet. But there are some spots. Like, for example, when they talk about, um, uh, uh, gener- when I always give his, the example I always give is generational curses or whatever. When he says your family will be cursed for like seven generations if you do wrong because when you do something wrong, then your kids get impacted and their kids get impacted and their mm-hmm. kids get impacted. And I guess it takes a while to... to I actually think there's probably... I, I could be wrong, but I, I guarantee there's there's psycho- psychological mm-hmm. evidence behind that. Certainly. So, I mean, I mean, I could say that, uh, for example, I know people that have had a pretty hard childhood and I can tell that, that they're impacted and I'm sure in some way their children will be. And that's not God saying, I'm going to curse you. Oh, and your kid, I'm going to curse him too. Oh, their kids, I'm going to curse them too. Like, it's more just, this is the way that, this is nature. Actions have consequences. Actions have consequences. And the universe demands a sacrifice. When you sin greatly against your God, that that has an impact on the people Mm -hmm. around you. And now look what you've done. Now Now you've hurt all these generations. Now, by no means does that mean that if someone has an example, the generational sin, maybe they abuse their children, that their children... Now look at that situation and say, I will be everything that my father wasn't. And they are just like the, they are a, a great representation mm-hmm. of of Christ. And that, that doesn't, 
change them in, in any wrong way. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the next ger- generations do go great, but it is still saying that there are there are still wounds. There's still oh yeah, and those wounds yeah. may not ever heal, and right. you've caused that because of your actions. But it is saying that you have to realize that sin doesn't just impact you or impact God; it impacts yeah. everyone around you. And it wasn't probably saying, and it wasn't even saying that this is going to happen for every single person everywhere. It just it, they're just generalizing like uh, a complicated concept, and they're making it easier to understand. If you do something, if you live a sinful life, and that's going to impact your children, their children's children, that doesn't mean that they can't turn it around. It's just anyway. And with God, you know, obviously, all things are possible. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so that's my thoughts on that. It's like that's good. Yeah. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. Hmm. Mm. Well, it's not really the end of the sentence. Should I keep going? Um, Yes. Okay. Yeah. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you have yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Where it says, remember the former days after you were enlightened in which you endured a great struggle of, of affliction. I picture that being like a struggle between flesh and um, like flesh and Blood. your uh, heart, right? So like the transformation of God versus your earthly human nature mm-hmm. and how that could happen after you become a Christian, how you'll struggle with the things of this world while still seeking God. Yeah. I mean, think about, think about how, how easy life is for us today. That has not been historically the case until maybe about a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Actually less than that, probably where if, if you didn't have a really decent job, you were poor. Mm -hmm. The majority of people, the vast majority of people on earth were poor and were living day to day. Uh, So, Think about already probably impoverished people, but now they're facing a world that was not yet accepting of Christ. So these people are being stoned to death for their faith. So life was a struggle for mm-hmm. the vast majority of these people. Yet all they could think of, like these people are getting imprisoned, they were getting killed for their faith. Mm-hmm. Yet all they could do is think about how strongly God loved them and how their faith wouldn't waver. Despite the pain, despite the suffering, they still looked at all of that and said, you know, Christ is still in control. Right. And God is still, Jesus is still on his throne. And I know that one day I will be with him one day in paradise. Mm -hmm. And although life is awful right now, my love for him will get me through this. And it's like, oh man. Yeah, it's pretty much done. Like that, that's just. It blows my mind. Okay. Um, so. Anything else on 32 to 34? Nope. I've talked too much already. Well, we have treasures in heaven being built up, right? So we have heavenly rewards there. Um, an eternal life um, is more important than things that are only going to decay in this world. So it's okay to give up your possessions and it's okay to endure these struggles because the reward is greater than the garbage that you face in yes, this world. Definitely. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which will be greatly rewarded. Yeah. So stay confident. So how beginning of the section in 19, 
says that we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Here it mentions confidence again. Um, so if we keep that confidence to enter the holy place and stay there with Jesus being in our life forever and staying confident in him, uh, not betraying him, not going down that wrong path and and not insulting the spirit of grace, right? Like mm-hmm. we need to just stay with it. Don't throw it in the garbage because it's not where it belongs. Yeah. And not only does confidence in Christ uh, encourage your own faith, but it encourages the faith of Christians around you. When I speak to a Christian who's very confident in their faith, it encourages me. I can think of a few people where when I talk to them and I see how confident and bold they are in their faith, I go, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. I aspire to be more like that. So I think it's, we need to be confident because it's true, but also think about encouraging those around you and not even just Christians, but people that aren't Christians. If they see somebody, regardless of what you believe, if you're confident in your beliefs because you understand them, mm-hmm. people will want to talk to you about it. Uh, I had another situation where I got to talk with a, a different coworker about Christianity. Um, he grew up in a Catholic school. He's thinking about converting to Islam. Uh, so I am decently knowledge on Islam and on Christianity. So I spoke to him about it, and I, I, could, I could confidently talk about the character of Jesus and comparing it to the character of Muhammad. And he was new to Islam, and I obviously told him, like, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt because I am not a Muslim and I haven't studied it for that long, but here are some things to know. And because I spoke, I believe, confidently about Christ, it made him more open to Christianity again. Now, maybe he does become a Muslim. I, I, I pray for... I pray for his heart that he he turns to the God of of Jesus, the God of Jesus, that he turns to Jesus Christ. But we have to realize that we need to daily read the word, get confident and bold in sharing Christ because, I mean, people's lives are at stake. Right. Their eternal lives, that is. So in other words, don't be a coward in your faith. Mm -hmm. Finishing off this chapter, I'm going to read... 36 to the end for you need patience so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise for in yet a little while, he who is to come will come and will not wait. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the saving of the soul. Hmm. So in there, there's a direct quote again, and that is from, where are we? Habakkuk. It's from Habakkuk to um, verses three to four. Yeah. You know what? So a lot of that I do want to talk about, but it's going to, I don't want to take away from next week, which is going to be the entire theme is faith. Nice. Uh, The the theme of the book is the triumphs of faith. So I I don't want to take away too much from that because there's a lot of good things to say about Mm -hmm. that that I will save for next week. But yeah, that's important because, I mean, once again, I'll get into it next week about what is faith. What does that actually mean Mm -hmm. to to have complete faith in him? But how I would kind of understand it is that like it is, if we were to walk in faith with Christ, it's even if we don't understand his plan or we don't understand where we're going, like thy word is a lap into my feet and a light into my path. So mm-hmm. that is our faith in Christ. We, we don't understand where it is that we're going or, or what God's plan is, but we are choosing to follow him because we know 
that God has good in store for us. And now I don't mean good as in that means that we're going to prosper and that means that God's going to promise everything to go well. But God's plan ultimately is something that we need to strive for because it's what saves us and it's what makes us grow in our faith. And at the end of the day, you could think of many ways that you want your life to go, but that's never something that ends up working out for you. Maybe it seems like it at the time, but does that, is it lasting? Is it meaningful? Does it, does it give you meaning, ultimate meaning? And I, I don't think it does. Usually when we pursue what we want, it's out of selfish reasons. But what God has in store for us is always selfless and it always ends up bringing us closer to him and, and saving us from mistakes that we could have made ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Um, verse 36 made me think about um, how it says that we need patience so that when we have done the will of God, we will receive the promise. Remind me a lot of Second Timothy um, chapter 4, verse 7, where it says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. So we really need to keep on having that faith so that we can then enter into the great reward um, and we can receive exactly what God promised to us for when we are under his grace. Yeah. What do you guys think it means when um, my righteousness, one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him? God's just done with you. <laughs> oh. Well, it's saying that if you if you had faith in him and then you choose to no longer have faith like you like i said like we said earlier right like you have a full understanding uh of the knowledge of truth and then you turn away from that you reject god you turn your back to him well then he's saying that well i don't have any pleasure in you as in i am i find how do we explain it like i think it would be like stepping back from faith and in that sense you wouldn't be with God anymore. So if you're not with God, you're not giving him any joy because you're not worshiping him. You're not putting your life in him. Mm -hmm. You're completely cut off from him. So therefore he can't get anything out of you. He can't get you to do his will because you're cut off. Yeah. And that's why in 39, it says, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. So it's saying those who shrink back are going to destruction. Like it's, but you're choosing your own destruction. Mm -hmm. You're choosing to destroy your your possibility to be with Christ because you completely understand him and then you're looking at that and you're denying him. Mm-hmm. And it's like the people that looked at him on the cross and spat on him. Yeah. They, they saw his sacrifice and said that's not good yeah. enough. And if we walk mm-hmm. by faith and if we're saved, then we are remain in this new covenant forever. We forever will be God's children and we will continue to live in his peace for the rest of our entire existence. Yeah. Exactly. And I think an important distinction to make, well, maybe it's not all that important. This is my soul has no pleasure in him. I mean, that's not the same thing as love, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, pleasure in this context, like um, another Greek word that I can't pronounce and I won't try, to think of like to well-pleasing or well-pleased, been pleased, stuff like that, mm-hmm. gladly chosen. Yeah. And um, so like, I mean, you can have, no pleasure in someone and still love them. I mean, that's kind of, it's an unfortunate situation, but like mm-hmm. I've, you can, you can not be, ple- like you can be unpleasant to be around someone right? and you can still love them anyway. Right. I mean, if you have, perhaps you have, I mean, people don't generally want so to like you love consider them, but you this. don't like them. <laughs> it's yeah. It's one of those situations where it's like, um, like people don't want to consider like the idea of not being 
of not having any pleasure around their kids. But like, let's just say you have a rebellious teenager who's completely turned his back from God and is very in a self-destructive situation. Let's say he does lots of drugs or do drugs or something like that. I'm trying to draw a very severe circumstance. Maybe that person is a very unpleasant human being to be around. Maybe he's just extremely disrespectful and all that kind of stuff. And you still love him. You still love him. You still want to love him. And God still tells you to love him. And so you do. But, and, and love is an action too. But like, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's, he's, you don't find any pleasure in him. He's, he's just not, it's just unpleasant. But right. anyway, so. And you wouldn't have any pride or joy in your son if he was like that. So it's the same yeah. idea of God. He wouldn't have, um, he wouldn't be proud of you. You'd basically be mourning for him. Yeah. Mourning for his soul, I guess. Anyway. Yeah, this is, this is great. I, I loved this section of Hebrews um, because it, it just shows us like, here's here's the benefits of accepting Christ. But mm-hmm. he, guess what? Like God is a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment. And we can't, I've, I've, like there are consequences for your actions. So if you understand God, understand his love and mercy and grace, and you turn your back, you have to know that there is. Yeah. You can't be righteous without judgment, right? Mm-hmm. After seeing enlightenment of, of Christ. So yeah, this is really good guys. Um, so thank you for listening. Um, this was really good and can't wait till next week when we start Hebrews chapter 11. So uh, we're going to end this with a prayer and then we will get to our outro and we'll go from there. Dear God, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you, God, for your mercy um, for, for having that love that can't, I can't explain, um, and for giving us a second chance to be with you one day mm-hmm. and for giving us forgiveness of our sins, although we didn't deserve it. God, thank you for taking on that punishment on the cross and for sending your son. Um, so God help us to mm-hmm. stay diligent to you and help us to walk every day in your word in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Praise God. That's all we have time for today, guys. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We have a website, DisciplesQuest.net, where you can find all of our Disciples Quest activity aggregated. It's also where Emily releases her blog every second Wednesday, so be sure to check that out. We also have a contact form there as well, which where you can use to reach out to us on. And you can also reach out to us on the following forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. And please, send us your questions, criticisms, stories, or requests. If you would like to support this podcast, then prayer is always a good option, and we certainly can't get enough of that. But Patreon is the best financial option for support. Speaking of which, shout out to our Patreon subscribers, Brendan, Darlene, and Philip. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast, and may God guide you on your quest to become better disciples. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.